<laughs> it's so funny that the only way I know how to start this podcast is by being like, hello, in the yeah. weirdest way possible. I mean, I think it's natural. So it's so, not. Well, no one talks like that. It's we same. talk like that on our podcast. And for welcome you. to Say Smut, a literary podcast for readers and non-readers. Welcome. That's Sarah. And she loves books. And that's Hope. And she loves talking. Every day. All the time. Each episode, Sarah's going to break down the plot of some pretty wild books to me, Hope, who has absolutely not read them. And today is no different. Yeah. Surprisingly, I read the book and Hope did not read the book, which I didn't. It's gonna it's gonna bring in some interesting things. Um, can I just give a public service announcement before we get started? Yes. Okay. Because I was roll I was scrolling through TikTok last night, book talk, and I see all these people. Oh my gosh, there's like so many layers of this that like pisses me off. That obviously, you know, we have authors who do shitty things, and there are people mm-hmm. who go and call mm-hmm. those authors out. Yes. Obviously, we love this. It's appropriate. We all deserve to know the true nature of these authors and and their beliefs and what they're pushing for in their books. Accountability is awesome. Yes, we love that. And we try and be as transparent as possible in these reviews and like about these authors. But like obviously things come out later or things come out that I didn't find. Um, But the thing that pisses me off is not necessarily that side of like, should you read this author or not? It's the side of like book talk of people being like, this book is stupid. Therefore, no one should read it. And I'm like, you know what? Just let people enjoy their shit. Yeah. Like, I'm so tired of hearing, like, these lectures on, oh, my gosh, you know, this isn't literary enough or this isn't smart enough literature that you, you, like, what? I read smut to escape. Like I started, I was a big reader as a kid, but I started getting back into books during the pandemic and Hope and I worked at a news station covering the pandemic. We did. Which was like its own type of like exhaustion and obviously trauma we still haven't recovered from. Which like we weren't first, like we weren't first responders or like first line of defense type people, but we were like listening to this shit every single day. And so like reading was a way of me escaping But then I've also discovered books that make me really introspective and like really think about life in a different way. But I recently had a loss of a loved one. And the only thing I could read after that was light and fluffy things. Yeah. So I just like need people to stop being assholes on the internet is really what I'm saying. Like let people enjoy what they enjoy. Granted with that caveat of like, there are terrible authors out there and we don't want to support Mm -hmm. them in different ways. But that's some things that we need to self-discover yeah, too. That's different. Yeah. But on the front of just like, hey, I'm enjoying these smutty, funny rom-coms or these ridiculous sci-fi fantasies where he has two penises and it's just not logical in how they're having sex. But whatever. Yeah. It's not stupid. It's just not your particular taste. And that's fine. That's okay. And also, this is also a public service announcement saying that Audio reading is reading. I cannot stand anybody who tells us or me or the internet that if you are listening to audiobooks, you're not actually reading. So yeah, get out of here with that. Goodbye. Um, Okay. So before we get into, thank you for letting me get on my soapbox for a minute. It was, I was just very upset at like 1am last night, (laughs) like just scrolling (laughs) through book talk, seeing all these really mean posts. And I'm like, shut up. (laughs) It happens to the best of us and the rest of us. 
Well, another corner that Hope and I will eventually get into is breaking down the book talk drama, which is so entertaining, you guys. I I mean, from from authors faking their deaths. Oh, no. Um, that happened once just a couple months ago that it was revealed an author faked her death. And then um, there was another one where an author was going to sue an ARC reader, which if you don't want to know what an ARC is, it's an advanced reader copy. Typically, they send those out so you're like you can review it before the book comes out and it gets hype around the book. But also, the reader isn't obligated to give you a good review, true. or the reader isn't obligated to finish the book. Also true. So this oh, there was an author and a publisher that was trying to sue people or threatening to sue people for not finishing their art copies and giving good reviews, which is just ridiculous. That's not how that works. You'll never believe this audience, as I famously don't read all that much but i have actually gotten an arc book and read it <gasps> did you what do you I know did do you remember what it was i did it was for um i was able to opt into this book specifically it was one in the series of the mcelroy brothers adventure zone graphic novels <gasps> yes. um for their first arc of their DD podcast yes so good you're also going to find out through this podcast that um hope and I love video games and yes. Hope also does D&D and we do, do love like Dimension 20. So we love much. like all that. It's it's fun. Mm -hmm. um, but furthermore, it, like this drama is just so ridiculous. And every about three to six months, somebody comes on there and says, if you're not reading the classics, you're not really reading. Or like somebody will come the on and be like. sometimes are in my, to me, not that interesting. So why would I read them? Also, the classics are amplifying white cis hetero male True. voices and there was a reason why we have female authors who had to go under pseudonyms um to in order to write um so let's also recognize that there are current there are current books that are going to be considered classics in the future so True. and also 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 if you're like me sometimes the classic books don't really make a lot of sense just no. just personally not you know, making I'm, a lot of sense kind of a little pretentious sometimes i read the scarlet letter i don't know what happened i read dante's inferno didn't didn't compute also, you should also like recognize the systemic issue of like classics being yeah. written at a time where not everybody was literate and not everybody had access to books. And maybe you aren't sharing the stories that actually cover America or the like or the world, you know. Anyway, we'll get off our soapbox right about now. <laughs> Thanks for coming to Soapbox Corner. Thanks for coming to my own personal Dr. Phil session. Um, okay, so content warnings for this book specifically i don't mm -hmm. get into all of these things in detail so i want to distinguish there's obviously sexual content the book mentions homophobia and hate crimes and mentions uh racism we aren't going to get super in depth with those moments and they also aren't super in depth in the book but i do want to touch that they're there there's also death grief and a car accident so um all of those being said. And there's also mention of alcoholism. We're covering a lot of things here. So just to get us started, I always like to go and give the ratings, which on Storygraph, it has a 4.12. And on Goodreads, it has a 3.96. Let's just round up and say that's a four. Yeah, not um, too bad. I think I gave it a four, if I remember correctly. Um, but uh, I always love doing these because I'll give something initial 
ratings on my read through on my first mm-hmm. read through. And then when I go through and we analyze it, I'll give it like a 60%. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I said this, I think in the last episode too, I think part of the reason that our numbers are coming out like that is because we have a weird and bad process for how we rate these or not, you know weird and, not weird and bad, but I think like it's the way we rate them and the way that you would rate them on Storygraph or Goodreads are different, like different computing systems. So they're not, they don't align. Really. Yeah. Also, yeah. my opinions are worth nothing. So. <laughs> but also like my opinion, like when I initially rate things, it's always just based on vibes. I don't like vibes. some people actually have an equation for how they come. And I'm like, no, you know, this no. feels like a four. This feels this like a five. Vibe based rating this system. This is a 3.5. Highly um, scientific vibe based rating system. Vibe based ratings only. Um, okay. So just a little bit about the author, Casey McQuinston. Um there's a little differentiation on how they want their pronouns to be. There's been a couple different ways, but all of them say for sure they. Um, so I'll be referring to them as them, they, them. Cool. So this is the second book Casey has written. Uh, their really well-known book is Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is about, um, I think, I haven't read it yet because it's on my monthly read for Pride. But um, it's about a guy who lives in the white house with his parents. Like he's a, it's, it's very. Mm-hmm. And then like, the, then there's a guy who's with the Royal family in the UK. So it's very like London boy, like <laughs> all American boy fall in love. Very fun. Um, there was a little controversial element to it because people felt like Casey shouldn't be the one to be writing, um, uh, love story between two men sure. and there has been controversy in just the generic sense of women specifically not non-binary in this situation but like women or people who are not gay men writing love stories about gay men mm-hmm. especially when there are sex scenes involved because they don't want it to come across as um sexualizing gay relationships right so there was a little bit of questions around that um but on Casey's bio, it says, quote, I was born and raised in the Deep South, which taught me how to love a good story and a great biscuit. That's and really beautiful. If that's not literature, I don't know what is. That, that brings me a lot of joy. It is a lot of joy in my heart. So let's uh, get into our book. Um, we open on our main character, August, who is answering an advertisement that was taped to a trash can in Brooklyn outside of Popeye's. Um, asking for a roommate for really, really cheap. That and is also where I put my classifieds yes. on garbage cans Honestly, outside of restaurants. <laughs> safer to put it on a garbage can than Craigslist in my mind for some reason. Um, sure. the, the requirements are, quote, must be queer and trans friendly, must not be afraid of fire and dogs, no Libras, we have one already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know more about the fire. Yeah, you will. Okay. Okay, cool. I should also disclose now that this book has a special place in my heart because I, in college, I spent a couple months in New York. I lived in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, um, and I had random roommates, essentially, and they were the best people ever. Shout out to Aiden and Rox and Did Tom. they put their advertisement on a dumpster anywhere for you to find? No, I actually found them through a friend uh, who was leaving his apartment, and I just didn't know these people, and I thought, you know what, I'll just drop in here. I like um, that. But it, that's a better strategy. 
it's very much anytime you have a random roommate situation in New York, especially, or in Brooklyn, you have a hodgepodge of people. So like it, it's going to be like the most random pull of the straws and very thankfully- unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. And thankfully I had really wonderful roommates. Um, I I'm also that, you know, that annoying girl who studies abroad and is like, I can't stop talking about studying abroad. Yes. I am that way about New York. So I apologize in advance because I will be an asshole in, <laughs> in this recording about talking about New York. Um, so August is meeting the roommates she wants to live with. And what characteristics do you think these people might have being from Brooklyn or living in Brooklyn, living above a Popeye's? Would you like what what things do you think given on that, given what was on the advertisement? Like in terms of personality? Yeah, or in yeah, terms just of personality. Identity? What like well, I mean, I'm thinking pretty rough and tumble. If you're from New you're from New York, you're living above a uh Popeyes. Popeyes? KFC. Yes. Popeyes. Popeyes. Love that chicken from Popeyes. Um, you're advertising for roommates on a dumpster. They're at least fun. Because of the crowd that we've said you need to be friendly towards. Yes. Queer positive, trans positive, intrigued by the fire. Um, So my head very just like uh, chaotic, fun, low rough and tumble, um, very specific because you can't have uh, clashing uh, astrological signs. Yes, absolutely. So first we have Nico, who is a trans man who I believe is Latinx, if I, um, or Latinx, I always say it differently every time I say it. Um, but he is a psychic and Amazing. he asks immediately when he meets her, can I touch you? And I, when I first listened to this, I was like, why is he asking? To, like, I thought this was going to be a failed attempt of like meeting somebody on an ad. And it's like, oh, you got to form a, that psychic link. Yikes. But That's- no, it was just a psychic touch. And yeah. he's like, he's also, he's a part-time psychic, part-time bartender. And at the beginning, we're kind of not sure how serious to take his psychic abilities. Later on, we find out he's actually legit psychic. Amazing. Um, the next one is Myla. I think that's how we say her name. Uh, she is dating Nico. She's a sculptor. The reason for no fire, uh, no fear of fires is because she uses fire for her art a lot. Um, and she also, she actually went to school for electrical engineering. So she's like super smart and loves sci-fi things. And like, it's just super dope. Anyway, then there's Wes, who is a very, like kind of like a grumpy, serious guy, quiet. Mm-hmm. He has a dog named Noodles. Um, <gasps> That's yes. such a good name for Isn't a dog. Which, by the way, if you are Noodles. on TikTok and you remember Noodles uh, or Noodle who did Bones or No Bones days. Oh, Noodle. He passed away. Yes. Anyway, that's so just I I know he's this is not the same type of dog, but I just have to picture that noodle. Yeah, very no um, bones dog. He keeps to himself. He used to go to like architecture school and stuff, but then he had a mental breakdown and dropped out. And so he became a tattoo artist. And he occasionally decorates cakes in his free times if he's feeling uh really good on that day. Um same. and uh, yeah, love that for him. And it's also suggested early on that he is gay. So sure. very um LGBTQ friendly group. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we have August who is also bisexual. Um, She's originally from new Orleans. She was raised by her mother and it's clear there's some mommy issues there. 
And it's clear, it becomes clear that she came to New York to maybe create some space between her and her mom. Sure. Um, She also makes it clear that her mom was obsessed with, quote, cases, which is like, this, she was kind of grew up in a true crime obsessed oh. household. And you've realized that there is a situation, there is a case her family is close to that her mom has been investigating for a long time. Sure. So um, also all of August's life, she has kind of fit everything into five boxes and she slips on an air mattress. So it clearly shows some attachment issues. Mm-hmm. But one of the small things she has kept all these years is a small pocket knife, which she always carries with her. This is important. It will not show up until it's important. So I just want you to keep that in the back of your mind. There's a, there's a pocket knife. She went to new Orleans uh, school in new Orleans, but she has come to New York city to continue her education. And apparently she kind of keeps changing her majors and it becomes very obvious as well that she is using this to not grow up. Right. Sure. Just kind of hanging stay, college yeah. for a few stay extra years. Stay in school. She keeps changing her majors. She probably could have graduated five times by now. Um, I knew several people like that when I was in college. I mean, it was kind of the epitome of why I went to grad school. Um, but that's fine. <laughs> well, uh, we all have our own journeys, and we, I'm here for it. We're just going immensely into debt for it. So her new roommates take her under their wing and bring her to an iconic pancake place in the neighborhood called pancake billy's house of pancakes great pancake billy's i hop could never i hope could never i like it's not necessary to name yourself pancake billy's with the rest of the restaurant being house of pancakes yes and i love the chaos of that we will now be referring to pancake billy's house of pancakes as billy's just so you are aware as pub hub um but (laughs) she needs a job and mila kind of strong arms her into being a waitress so she starts waitressing and is also going to school which means she has to take the q train every day now just generically what do you know about the train system in new york i know it exists i know that people complain about it and that's pretty much all I know about it. I've been to New York City once. I did not use the subway system for any of it. I walked everywhere and everywhere I needed to go was in walking distance. That is great. Well, um, what you should know is that in the city, almost all the subways are below ground mm-hmm. when you get into Manhattan. But a lot of times in the burbs or like in the boroughs, like you'll have them come out of ground. Sure. So Kind of like it is in Chicago. Yes, exactly. So some of the queue line when you get further out is above ground. Like when you get further out to Brooklyn and stuff, you're above ground. Whereas when you're in the city, you're underground. Yeah, below. Sure. So um, also it is my, it is my worst nightmare because I, I did get resentful towards the subway system at a point because I got really anxious being underground, especially because the subway stops a lot. This is yeah. like an archaic system that they can't easily fix because Ooh, it's so many- I also don't love really subways of any kind. <laughs> well, so many commuters rely on these lines that you can't yeah. easily shut them down for maintenance. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is like, you'll be underground, like traveling pretty fast. And then all of a sudden it'll stop. And then it'll be like, somebody will come over the, the PA Intercom, system and be like, yeah. wah, 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 wah. and everyone's like, what was that? 
Like we could right. be here for five minutes. We could be here for 45. Who the hell knows? And then someone starts playing their saxophone and someone starts doing a break dance and yeah. people are upset on the, it's a whole thing. Yeah. It's hot. Hate being hot. Yes. And you have no reception under there. They say there's Wi-Fi on the train. It's not, it doesn't work. Um, so I had a lot of resentment towards it because I just had a lot of anxiety about being trapped underground. Word. Um, so I got used to using the bus system as well as the subway system. And actually the bus system's pretty good in, in Manhattan specifically because they have bus lanes. So don't discredit it. I do um, love a bus. I do love a bus. Um, so it's also an element where New York City is so big and you feel like you're just a very, very tiny speck of dust in this massive sand right. pit. And you're like, what, what the heck is happening? But you get in this mode of having community because you're going to the same places every mm -hmm. day or every week. So you right. kind of start seeing the same people who have the same patterns as you. Right. Yeah. And so even though it is a big city, there's almost like a small community feel to it. So um, what happens is our girl is walking to the train and she's trying to get to school and some, she spills coffee on herself. She gets on the train and she gets all frustrated and she's trying not to cry, which relatable. I, cried on the subway like full blubber on the subway and um i was then told by my roommates that i have officially become a new yorker after hey. you cry on the subway so yeah i don't think it's the same i had a similar instance on the iowa city bus line when i was in college just full listening to sad music and weeping out a window but i don't think that makes you part of the iowa city community i think that just makes you sad well you know <laughs> We love a woman who can express herself in public. Um, so uh, it turns out there's like, she's all sardine packed into this subway car. And she's like, and that sucks too. Yeah, that's somebody the worst. Who like hates, mm -hmm. like it's pretty claustrophobic. I'm like sitting yeah. there. I'm like, please don't breathe on me. Oh my God. Yeah. I was once sniffed by a man on a subway in Chicago. And oh. it, it wasn't great. Gross. It wasn't great for me. So she's like standing there and there's this person next to her and she's like trying not to cry. And she's like, oh my gosh, make this stop. And turns out the person next to her is a super hot girl. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and let me describe this girl for you just so you can have a picture in your head. She Wait. is tall. Um, she is Asian American with short black Amazing. hair that's swoopy and some Ooh. sharp cheekbones. I want you to know that Hope has her eyes closed right now. I'm and she's like picturing this. She's wearing a white t-shirt tucked into some jeans that are have Cute. some rips in them. Oh, good um, fashion. And has a worn leather jacket. It's clearly a well-loved jacket, but she incredible is also incredible fit. Just for the picture, when she doesn't have the jacket on, she has some hot ass tattoos. Yeah. all up her arms that are very distinct okay and this woman offers august a red scarf to cover up the stain and august is like oh my god i'm dying um, i'm in love with you i'm in love Thank with you. you uh so life moves on and she's now thinking about this woman and mm -hmm. i should now mention that each chapter describes a post an article a document a photo at the like at the beginning that each has to do with like the subway system and at the beginning you're not really sure what we're getting at we think it's just kind of a cutesy thing uh -huh. um so like our second chapter for example outlines how the queue line is having a lot of technical issues with shortages and outage um there's Sorry. like i'm laughing because i it just occurred to me that the book is called one last stop and we're talking a lot about trains and transportation what what did you think was going to happen? I don't know. It just, I hadn't really put, also again, for the audience, I am, 
as we're having this conversation, listening, but also the context I have is specific to the research I've done, which I okay. won't disclose yet. But so like, I only have that in my mind and I never know if it's like a very relevant to the whole plot thing or like a small thing that will occur in one scene kind of scenario. This so is- I've only been thinking about that and not so much the very obvious connection between the title of the book and what we're talking about. This is your research is very important, but you will not know how it integrates until it happens. Okay. Wild. Wild. And so, um, so just have that in the back of your mind. We'll talk about it at the end. Um, so let's introduce the Billy's characters just really quick. We have Winfield who is a bearded guy. Who's a server. We later find out that I believe he does drag, and he is dating Lucy, who is practically like the manager of Billy's. And she's like this badass Czech woman who has like no time or bullshit for anybody. Pancake and then she- Willie and Pancake Lucy use yeah. their full God-given names. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then Jerry is like this grumpy cook that's been there since since the opening of Billy's in the 70s. Okay. So... During one of her shifts, Lucy calls out August for not eating, and she orders her what's called a Sioux special. It's something custom. It's not on the menu. And it kind of shows that, like, Lucy cares without showing that she cares, you know? Sure. Um, uh, And she's just kind of being, you know, rough, whatever. So then a couple days go by, and August hops back on the Q train only to find who? (gasps) Subway girl. Subway girl. And she, like, is it's cute because she's internally named this woman subway girl and uh-huh. um the subway girl calls august coffee girl and this just becomes a cutesy thing uh, are you subway girl because you make me want to eat fresh oh no, i tried i don't think that landed but <laughs> I, I knew where you were going but it didn't land uh we'll try again later. Face when that came out of my mouth i was I'll like where are we going forget. where are we going where are we going um <laughs> So this continues to be a little cute theme. Uh, And they say good morning. August accidentally combines high and morning, which turns into a weird mix of saying horny. And um, that's just hilarious. And then I would do August noticed that subway girl is wearing some like old school headphones, you know, with the, with the, that go over the ear, but Mm -hmm. not like the ones we're wearing. It's like the ones with foam on them. Yeah. Like huge. Not even huge. They're like the ones. Like almost 80 oh. style, you know, where it's like almost a small piece of plastic. Oh, yes. So no, not huge at all. But like on a, if you had like a Walkman, like a Walkman so head also has essentially a cassette tape player, which is like a Walkman. Yeah. And, oh. um, and so August is like, oh my God, she's a freaking Brooklyn hipster. Fuck I, my life. I the, <laughs> the first music device I ever owned was a Barbie cassette player, which I still have and still works. And then I had an in-sync cassette tape, which is all I would listen to on it. And then also eventually had like a Walkman adjacent CD player and just carrying, <laughs> carrying, playing CDs around. <laughs> so impractical. Which, which like CDs playing, like if you moved it the wrong way, it like yeah, skipped. It skipped And then you would be like, or you couldn't like press on the, on the lid like yeah, very hard. hard. Yeah. It's almost like Not high logical. speed spinning discs shouldn't be carried around in a very tiny, uh, very easily dropped container it's not logical logical. so she's like um they're talking and all of a sudden august mentioned she works at billy and subway girl says crazy i used to wait tables at billy's is jerry still in the kitchen oh you mean pancake jerry of course (laughs) pancake jerry is still in the kitchen and august says 
she'll bring Subway Girl a Sue special. And Subway Girl's like, OMG, that's my special. They named it after me. Oh, her, her last name's Sue. Well, no, her last name's Sue. That's um, cute. But she, she's like, I invented that. And then August casually invites her to Billy's, like, during a shift she's waitressing. And we also now find out that Subway Girl's name is Jane Sue. Jane so, Sue. Well, That's Jane cute. doesn't come to Billy's, which obviously bums August out. And over the next few weeks, August is contemplating seeing, or like she's constantly seeing Jane on the queue. She's making, mm -hmm. like Jane's making friends with everybody. She's making people laugh. She helps old ladies and shit. She's like, like the pinnacle of like a, right. a hipster girl scout. And Amazing. I'm like, Essentially, she's like the American gem. And August is becoming smitten with her by the second. Don't worry. Jane is also talking to August. It's not like she's like ignoring her. Or like cool. So there's like some banter there. I'm now going to uh, put this start this part of the story together for you because it's sprinkled throughout. Um, but it's easier for me just to throw this all together. So yes. August's mom um, had a brother named Augie. Um, so august uncle who went missing in 1973 okay. and ever since her mom has been like really obsessed with the case and been like that's where all this true crime shit has come from she's like trying to put together what happened to him right he doesn't know if he's alive or he's not because he left home i think after coming out as gay um but he left home and he was like still writing her mom like Susie, mm -hmm. and then just stopped writing her and so like Susie feels like something happened to him if she no longer got letters from him. So that's why. So then it also becomes very apparent that um, she gets a letter in the mail. Uh, sorry, let me back up. Our girl, August, gets a letter in the mail from her mom saying mm -hmm. like, hey, I have an update on the case, which is essentially like you should look up this person um, in New York who might've been friends with your uncle. Um, and maybe they know something about him. And August is like, Oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated. Like, I, I feel like I'm just essentially this, this whole case dictated my childhood mm -hmm. instead of my mom being present in my childhood and being a mother, she was right. obsessed with this case and it impacted our relationship. Okay. So moving on. It is also now that Mila helps August get introduced to punk music because that's what Jane was listening to. And August was talking points uh, to discuss with Jane on the train next time. Uh, most relatable thing we've ever talked about on this podcast. Yes. Me. <laughs> um, punk music all the time. Not, not even just punk music, but uh, listening to music other people listen to for talking points because I like them. <laughs> Although I, with the exception of, Maybe my very first ever boyfriend who listened to country and I just couldn't actually like country. I have uh, genuinely yeah. liked the music every human being has ever introduced me to. But the crux of all of my high school relationships is like a lot of angsty music. <laughs> yes. Yes. We are also creating a playlist for your bachelorette party. And people were like, what do you suggest? And I was like, well, let me just give you a list um, because so we've got exciting. a wide variety. Um so now I'm, I know I'm skipping around a lot here, but all of this becomes important later. But now let's drop in on one of August shifts at Billy's. It's a very yes. late night. It's oddball customers. If anybody's been in like a late night type of dinner uh, mm -hmm. restaurant situation in right. New York or Brooklyn specifically, it gets weird. And um, 
And so one of the customers that's sitting at the bar she meets is Annie Depressant, who is a drag queen. It's an incredible drag name. An incredible name. Annie Depressant. Annie Depressant, who is a drag queen. She's sitting there at the bar in full drag. And they get talking and realize that they live in the same building. So they start walking home together. And Annie says, you know, I'm actually an accountant named Isaiah. And turns out she lives across the hall. Annie, Isaiah, lives across the hall from our girl. Nice. And turns out she's like, oh, so you live with Wes. And August is like, yeah, how do you know Wes? And she's like, oh, I'm in love with him. Me too. He's got a dog named Noodles. He's got a dog (laughs) named Noodles. And she's like, well, have you told Wes you're in love with him? And Annie's like, yeah, like multiple times. (laughs) (laughs) Every day, all the time. Yeah, I have no problem expressing my feelings. And she was like, yeah, we've even made out a couple times. But, like, Wes has some deep-seated trauma and psychs himself out all the time. So he needs to deal with that. And I'm not going to wait around for him to figure it out. Okay? Fair. There's also this wonderful line that Annie says during this bonding moment. This is, quote, everybody says New Yorkers are so unfriendly. But you just have to know how to win them over which i think is so accurate because they are really friendly you just have Mm -hmm. to like connect with them and not be an asshole right there were so many things that i did as a midwesterner in new york that i'm like oh i was being overly nice and weird in a way that new yorkers didn't understand Mm -hmm. because we are just overtly nice and then i was like no you just got to be real with them you got to be honest and you've got to be not that you have to be a jerk but just like hey this is the reality of the situation. My quick trip to New York was a big vibe for me because I like in general am very friendly, but in an f- unfamiliar place, don't want anybody to look at me or talk to me or interact with me in any way. Um, so I fit in so well. And also just like tr- always trying to get to point A to point B, very fast walker. Don't want people to talk to yes. me. And it was is really awesome for me personally. <laughs> Yes, I remember my first night. And if my friends are listening, I apologize that I'm calling out this night. But one of my first nights, we watched one award show. I don't know if it was the Oscars or whatever. But we were gonna order some pizza and do a little bonding. And I was like, okay, what's the phone number of the pizza place? Because in rural Iowa, not every place has an app or anything. And this was a couple years ago. So like, it was very much not a thing that delivery services were normal, like some pizza places delivered. Yeah, but like, so I was going to call and they were like, what the hell are you doing? What in the hell are you doing? And then I said, oh, so you want cheese pizza? And she said, no, I want plain pizza. I said, no, you want cheese pizza. I don't know There's what that, cheese on it. I don't know and, what that means. What's yeah. Plain pizza. So then this turns into the next couple of months, all of us realizing how many cultural differences there are, including in Iowa, we, in Des Moines specifically, we have AE dairy, which is very big Anderson Erickson dairy. And like our, our dairy aisles go on forever. And I'm used to that. And so when I went to the actual store, it's like, you have one option for milk. There aren't 500 different there are uh, not, dairy producers competing for your dollars. Or there's not like 5,000 different types of chip dip. It's just one if you want a sour cream chip dip, like just deal with it. And I'm like, are you shitting me? No, I need my party dip and I need it right now. I need my party dip. AE, this is not sponsored by AE, but oh my gosh, if you understood, you know, if you know, honestly, if if you're affiliated with AE and feel like you want to sponsor a smut book adjacent podcast, we just really love your dip. We just love your dip. And like, honestly, I, I would do anything for that dip. (laughs) 
Um, and we Sarah's, love his cows. Sarah's such a bitch for dip, you guys. I am such a bitch for dip. Um, which I literally just had a birthday party that was a dip party, you guys. I'm not even joking. Okay, us there. So to proceed our conversation, um, I don't even know where I was at now. Okay, so now there's a couple days that go by, and obviously August is hopping on the train, and Jane is there, and um, August has her little punk music talking points. Mm-hmm. And Jane doesn't understand most of the references August is making, which is kind of making for this little awkward moment. And they're like, she's like, these are very like well-known punk bands. Like I researched this so I could talk to you about it. I don't understand. And then bam, subway car stops. Oh. August almost falls, but no worries. Jane is there to catch her. Incredible. I love that. I love it. And the lights go out and the emergency backup ones pop on, which if you've ever experienced that, it is from a horror movie sounds um, heinous it is terrible the the train is unfortunately stuck which is again my worst nightmare and jane and august get talking but before you know it jane starts a dance party on the subway car and shockingly everybody joins in and i cringe so hard at this because yes yeah. there's a moment of community that will happen in certain situations when people uh-huh. are frustrated enough or like in the same situation but like this just felt so forced it is like apparently jane got on the luckiest car of the nicest people in new york yes who are really pro dance party because i can't imagine you'd get the same results if you tried that on no. most subways in new york well, and I think it's just like everybody's going to be sitting there being like, oh, my gosh, I'm late to work. I'm late to a baptism. Yeah. I'm late to a bat mitzvah. I don't know. I don't know what your deal is, but you're late. You're late. Anyway, so at the end of this dance party, the car comes back on and in working order. And August gets the nerve up to ask Jane to go for drinks. And Jane, like, kind of blankly looks at her and is like, I'm sorry, I can't. And then, like, leaves it at all- that. And then August is feeling dumb and walks away. So after okay. that. It's yeah, it's just kind of this weird, like, oh, I thought we were vibing. I thought we'd been vibing the last few weeks. We literally just vibed at a dance party. We just vibed at a dance party. And after that, August tries to avoid the queue because she's so embarrassed. Meanwhile, she's working at Billy's, and obviously it's one of those dive places with a million things on the wall. Mm -hmm. And it's like almost a game of like I spy, right? And um, she sees this photo that looks exactly like Jane. And she pulls it off and she starts looking at it. And it's from the grand opening of Billy's in 1976. And the woman has short hair. She's Asian American. She's got some really distinct tattoos on her arms. Um, I don't think we've talked about this yet. Does it say what year it is when this book is taking place? It's like 2022. 2022. Okay. That's good. Interesting. So, it's for sure Jane, right? These tattoos, she is Jane. What are your thoughts at this point? Well, I'm having a hard time because on the one hand, uh, historically of the populations of people who age well and don't age well, people who have Asian descent age really well. So I think she could just be that age. But then also you told me that someone is literally psychic. So she could be a time traveler. I don't know what to rule out. So I had a moment where I thought, well, maybe this is like, jane's mom and like this is like a weird connection they look the same and she loved her mom so much that she got all of her tattoos and had the same yeah then i like i had to quick so then august starts thinking jane might be a vampire so who do you go to when your psychic roommate absolutely you go to nico and he's like no she's not a vampire but she might be dead Ooh. (laughs) so what do you think 
if you were August and you hear from your psychic roommate that she might be dead, what are you doing at this point? Uh-huh. Well, the f- what I would like to do is conduct any kind of seance to help me get my answers um, and or devise some kind of a plot so that we can later do a seance to devise these answers. That's just what me hope wants to do. That's what me hope would do. <laughs> well, you hope are correct because yes. <laughs> Nico's like, let's do a seance. Uh, do you have something of hers that we could use? And of course, she's got that red scarf. Oh, so yeah. She, yes, the red it's scarf. It's all so coming back to me now. All the roommates get together. Isaiah even comes in to help, you know, increase the numbers. And they reach out and they determine she is not dead. All right. Because there's nothing out there. What? Why? Like, nothing's responding. Right. So, if she was dead, she'd come through the veil to be like, hello. And hello, the Ouija board I think would you're really hot. be. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm I was dead. dead the whole time. And I'm I'm on the queue right now. Uh, <laughs> so dancing, so, though. That was fun. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Glad we got a party out of it. Um, and, of course, uh, she... she Sorry, August is like, you know what? Let's take my psychic friend to see Jane. Maybe that will help. Uh And so late at night, they go down to the queue. And of course, they get on a train car and Jane is there. Mm -hmm. And so then they're kind of like discreetly having weird underlying conversations where they're not outwardly telling Jane that they think this is sketch as hell. But like they're not... (laughs) They're, they're kind of just like Nico was so, like how can I casually touch this person in a yeah. way that's not weird on the subway and Nico's like uh how can I um determine this and like also have you guys do you smell sulfur do you smell like <laughs> you a guys, demon you, you a demon anyway so real sketch and they get off the train and at another location and she turns to Nico and is like what's the deal and Nico's like she's not alive but she's not dead I think she's somewhere in between and august was like you know what's weird i keep getting on the same train as her i should not be getting on the same train as her as much as i am especially since this was like late at night and not our normal routine right if i hop on to a train going the opposite direction or something like right now she shouldn't be on that train car right because she would be still further going down the line right i i'm gonna say something i don't want you to respond to it at all i just want to say it Okay. is she a ghost trapped on the train uh due to some kind of a terrible incident that occurred on the train and that's why she can't get off the train because she's always on the train don't answer if that's correct or not i just want to note that that's my guess and i'd like to proceed with the podcast okay well you're gonna get an answer really soon because okay. august is like well if i get on the train right now she should not be on it Right? Like right. she should be on that car we were just on. Because going the down. train is going. Yes. Yeah. So she gets on the train, and sure enough, who's sitting there? Jane. So, yes. She Did I write stuck- the book? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't write She this is book. stuck on the train in some in between form. Okay. Of course. So, August finally kind of explains at this point Hey, Jane, how old are you? And Jane's like 24, 25. I don't remember. And she's like, So, I'm 23. I was born in 1990 something. When uh-huh. were you born? And Jane's like, I don't remember. And then there's this moment where you realize, turns out Jane's whole memory is really, really fuzzy. She doesn't remember like anything. Sure. I can't she, believe how I've just done this. <laughs> I want you to know you are already ahead of me. So I when I was reading. how I just did this. Anyway. So she 
doesn't know that it's been more than 40 years. She knows that there's been time passed, but she thinks Mm -hmm. it's been like a couple months. She knows she's been stuck on the queue. She doesn't know how long though. And so she's like, oh my gosh, it's been more than 40 years. What the heck? So it, and the only low key response to finding out you've been trapped indefinitely on a train. I will say the majority is like the majority of this book is she's like playing it cool that she's been stuck on this train. Shit, man. I've been stuck here for decades. The only reason she knows her even name is Jane Sue is because it's sewed into her clothing. Oh, that's sad. So then they also try and get her to walk off the train car. But when she does, she just disappears. She's just not there. And then when when August gets back on the train car, she's, she's there. there. So it, she August then goes and takes that photo she found to Jerry. Uh-huh. Remember? Because Jerry's been there since the beginning. And she's yes. like, hey, do you remember anything about this grand opening about this woman? And he's like, I had some alcoholic problems. I was an alcoholic during this time. I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of recollection, re- recollection of the time. I kind of remember that woman, but not really. Interesting. So dead end. Mm-hmm. This begins a very long series of scenes where August gets on the train with different items, typically food, to try and spark some memory from Jane because her first memory came back when Jane came on smelling like pancake, like yeah. pancake billies. Like and pancake so billy like, associates. <laughs> yes. And she was like, oh my gosh, I used to work at pancake billies. And like that yeah. came back because she smelled it, right? Sure. So she gets coffee for her and gets bagels and like mm-hmm. they start using songs to make her remember certain times and places. And August even gives Jane a burner phone so she can text any memories that kind of come back to her as they come. And like August is documenting all of this. Right. And it's also revealed that like if August spends too much time away from Jane, her memory gets fuzzy again. So there's some anchor that August is for Jane. Um. So... The roommates also get in on this, which is very Scooby-Doo crew of them, like, which is so helpful because Nico is a psychic and Myla loves sci-fi. And And all of a sudden we have all the tools we need to solve the case. And Noodles and Wes get super stoned and eat a lot of snacks. Pretty much. Um, So one of the theories, one of the theories is a time slip using, which is essentially using a force of energy to move through time. Um, so one day Jane is, uh, thinking, trying to recall memories and it's like, she's on the edge of a memory and she's like a very sensory person. Right. So she's like, I think I should kiss you to like, remember this girl I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I should, I wish I'd ever thought to have used that excuse to make somebody kiss me. I guess. (laughs) I know. I wish I was stuck on a train for 40 plus years. I have amnesia, but I think I might figure my memories out if you make out if with my face. you just make out with me in this right public now. space. Um, and Is that possible? I guess she has a solid form because she did catch... Yeah, she has a solid form. She did catch August, but in yeah. my head it's like it, maybe she's like full ghost and just making out with nothing. Just like... Well, and then the, the word like, and then August is like, F yes, I want to kiss you. But then uh, outwardly she's like, of course, but just for scientific research. You know? Just for research. And so um, the almost kiss and then like she finally recalls the girl she was dating and then she actually kisses and then she was like oh my gosh this is like the best kiss in the world oh my gosh and then jane pulls away and is like oh yeah i was in new orleans when i made out with that girl could you imagine having like a massive crush on somebody and then they're like Oh, yeah. I remembered by kissing you about another girl I was mm-hmm. seeing. So, you remind me of a full different person that I really liked. 
So now they have the New Orleans thing in common because obviously Jane spent time in New Orleans uh-huh. and our girl is from New Orleans. So um, yeah, yikes all around that your the your crush is kissing you to remember other right. girls she was with. Unless you're a different ghost who also died. Yes. And during this, there is a discovery that, you know, the queue will shut down in September for maintenance, which means that they will be down for a long time, which mm-hmm. means Jane can't obviously be without her for that long. Right. And so this now her gives... memories, but just be stuck on the train. Yes. And now this is giving us a deadline to work with. Right. By the way, there's another kissing experience experience scene where Jane asks August to like pull her hair and bite her. And like there's multiple scenes where they kiss. It's gonna help me remember so much if you lightly choke me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you could just like slightly batter me, that would be really great. Um so I think it's like a thing too where she they they do different types of kissing too, where it's like slow and sweet and then like Uh hard and rough and whatever to remember all these different things. And then like, as things are getting hot and heavy in the scene, Jane's like, Oh my gosh, I remember where I was in February of 1975 when I made out with that girl. (laughs) And it's like, this becomes a theme. Like they kiss. Jane remembers another woman she hooked up with. Amazing. Did she hook up with your mom? (laughs) I hope not, but I'm just asking. Uh, to our knowledge, August's mom was not in New York City at this time. So cool. just checking. While they're doing all this research, August is missing class and work. And for some reason, that doesn't seem to there doesn't seem to be consequences to this. Like she keeps Sweet. her job somehow and finds out she can even graduate early in a couple months. However, convenient. They do find out that the landlord who owns the building that Billy's is in is increasing rent and the owner of Billy's can't afford it. So the restaurant is going to shut down in a couple of months. Yeah. Classic. We got to raise a bunch of money or pancake Billy's is pancake shutting down. This pisses me off because like, don't get me wrong. I love these side characters. I think they're fun and they're Mm -hmm. really cool to like hear their storylines. But this felt like a whole secondary storyline that did not need to happen. Um, And I'll get into that later. But um. They also discover after being dumb at this is literally what I've written down after being dumbasses and hopping from one train car to the next that Jane can exist outside of the train car. She just has to stay on the queue line. Okay. So she is attached to the line, not necessarily not the, car the cars. Itself. Mm-hmm. No transfers for her. Then there's also some sappiness because Jane gets a radio and she starts calling in request to like try and listen to songs to remember things. And mm-hmm. she starts calling in requests and dedicates them to August. And at one point Aww. she like requests love of my life by queen. And it's like very cute. Um, I should also note there's a lot of subplots going on, like I mentioned, and like August is making more roofs and she's buying furniture. Wes reveals he's actually really into Isaiah, but he feels like he would let Isaiah down and so he doesn't act on it. Like there's all those things. Cool. That's the only subplot I care about. Yes. (laughs) At one point there's a party and August puts Jane on speakerphone to be in kind of the action of the party. And then finally they're like, let's just bring the party to the queue line, which I don't know why so many people were like why not just bring August or Jane here? Why is Jane on the queue line and we have to go to her? It's but, a lot. Look, it's a lot to explain. Okay. It's yes. just a lot to be like death, ghosts, psychics. It's just, it's just easy if you come along and I don't yeah. have to tell you about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so then they have a real kiss just to kiss, like not for experimental issues, but of right. course Jane has another memory. And I keep thinking of like the, that's so Raven moment where it's like, that's so Raven. Yeah. And then she like looks at the camera and yeah. like it zooms in on her eyes. <laughs> and then she has another memory. But this one, 
she remembers her real name and like everything comes flooding back because her real biological name was BU, which I think that's how you say it. But she went by Jane as a nickname when she got to New York. Sure. So this opens like the floodgates, right? And then Jane and her, Jane and August sit on the train car and go through everything. She's like, she still can't remember things about her. Like there are elements of her life. She's still a little fuzzy on like how she even got here. But Mm -hmm. she's like, oh my gosh, let me tell you about what it was like being gay in the 70s. Oh man. Yeah. They talk about hate crimes. They talk about the AIDS epidemic. They talk about like the revolutionary culture of a gay culture, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like very um, introspective on that part. So then a little while later, August waits until it's like the most dead it ever is on the queue line, which apparently is 3.30 a.m. on Tuesday morning. And she brings this little basket of things. Like schedule, like not it's not like a general time nobody really rides the trade in this time frame it is specifically at 3 30 a.m on tuesday i nobody guess rides yeah, the train. She, she pretty much figured that out so she gets on at a point and has a little basket with her with like a, a blanket and some food and mm-hmm. at one point like they're talking and jane's like stop stops her and is like stop fucking with my head is this a date or not because i have been laying on the moves for you for months and you have not reciprocated and i'm confused i have so many confusing elements of my life right now can you just clear up this one thing and freaking august is like you kissed me all those times for freaking research yeah and you remember how all those you, other women. How are you confused? And Jane was like, you didn't think I didn't benefit after, off of making out with you? Are you serious right now? So then they finally admit all the kisses were not just for research. Uh-huh. Now, Hilarious. They start making out. Things Amazing. are getting hot and heavy. Uh-huh. And it's really no one's on the train because it's no one is on the train. on a Tuesday. No one is on the train. And I should also emphasize the train is above ground at this point. And... August reveals she is a virgin. Okay, no problem. Mm-hmm. Obviously, our girl Jane is not a virgin, but they're going to work through this. Jane, not the virgin. Jane, not the virgin. And they are going on this. They're getting hot and heavy, and boom, train car malfunctions. Mm-hmm. Emergency lights kick on. Yep. But there's some real mood lighting, you know? They're right. above ground. I have, I have a question about how above ground this is. Well, typically, when you're above ground, you might pass by, you know, like, like uh mm-hmm. tall buildings that you're at the same level as some of the windows right. but like and, but, and you're elevated up though it's not like yeah it's not on level. the street no yeah. it's not on it's the street above. typically okay no that that was what i was envisioning i think it would be more ideal to be underground i'm just gonna lay that out yeah right it now. would it would but Continue. they've got mood lighting now that the emergency lights kick on the moon is shining in and um this is when jane goes down on august sweet and I just find this really gross because it's not hygienic. Yeah. If anybody has been in the New York subway, and even if you have a, a blanket you are laying down, I would not want any bodily fluids. I can't imagine the smells. I can't imagine. <laughs> no, and I also can't imagine being like, I want to lay down. Yeah, because I had on... two thoughts there. First, like you could lay down on seeds. Or you could lay down on the floor. I don't think either is great. I think for the act, the floor makes more sense, which makes me more upset about it. And like how they kind of set it up is that they start the situation with August is standing and she's kind Uh of like propping herself up. Yeah. And Jane, 
she holds on to the car door. So we're getting real kinky in here. And Jane is the one that gets down. And then they end up getting down on the ground on the blanket, which again, glad we have the blanket. Doesn't do a whole lot. Doesn't help me at all, but you do you. (laughs) But once they're done having sex, the train turns back on. Convenient. (laughs) Convenient. It's almost like somebody has capabilities to control that. Anyway, (laughs) I'll just let that resonate. You can just think about that. It's after this that August connects. There's something about Jane that's connect to the electrical current of the line. Clearly. So she goes. So she got Tower of Terror into the train. Literally. <laughs> literally can control. She did was, I write the book? She, is this going to be every episode where. I still did. I will. Where maybe. Hope is like, I wrote the book. It's me. I wrote the book. But Jane like got so horny. She shut down the track. incredible but now august is so excited about her finding she runs to find jane it's now like normal hours that there are people and commuters on this freaking train and she's explaining the theory to jane while jane fingers her in a train full of commuters and that's where i just think like there are a lot of things that people look the other way on trains for but like that's one that i would be like not happy not Not loving it it it's I mean, there's if there's people, it's already a no go. But like, is it daytime? Because that's that's bad too. It's pretty much daytime. It's bad either way. But it's I think it's bad if it's daytime. So remember, uh, this is anyway. So back to back sexy scenes is what I'm telling you. I like back to back sexy scenes. I just feel like if if you've once stopped a train when it was empty to get down, you could just keep up that routine. But now you're with commuters. Yeah, don't you do don't want to be commuters. stuck with commuters. No, I mean specifically this. only do this at 3 30 a.m. on yes, Tuesday when no one's accurate. on the train. <laughs> Which also as their relationship progresses, they do keep on hooking up yeah. um on yeah, yeah. the train, whether people are there or not. So please, please stop doing it when people are there. <laughs> so also because August is like kind of type A, she's now creating a list of things that uh, Jane likes sexually because she wants to be good at them because she is obviously a virgin before this. And later on, the kind of the cutesy thing is that Jane reveals she knows about this list that she's been keeping. Because she's psychic and a ghost? No, because it's, it's obvious she's pulling out a list. Like she sees it in her notebooks and stuff. They're like mid fucking and she just pulls out a list. Pretty much. I haven't done this one yet. (laughs) Pretty much. And so then Jane reveals, I actually have a list of things like modern culture things you've talked to me about that I want to experience that I've created for us to do if I get out of this situation. So kind of sweet. How'd you find paper and a pen? I don't know. Not well. She's got a she's got a backpack with her that has okay. things in it. So there's things. Just... Anyway, remember we've got a restaurant to save. So <laughs> I hadn't forgotten about pancakes, Billy's House of International Pancakes, Billy Billy's Pancakes House, <laughs> pancakes syrup, bacon. Um, so they decide <laughs> to put on a pancake drag show event to raise the funds. Not Incredible. sure why we added another plot, but okay. And this will be a comment I make numerous times. Remember August mom. Because she's apparently another plot point, too, we have to have. Um, And the investigation. I had not forgotten. Yes. So apparently August's grandparents died and left August some money. And then August starts asking questions because this there, her grandma just died. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, wait, wait, I have money. Wait, wait, hold on. What's going on? And then it is revealed that her mom 
her mom's parents were paying for August's education pretty much all her life to go to a private school and stuff. And her mom kept it a massive secret and like pretty much hid all this shit from her. And they start fighting. And August is like, hey, why don't you stop treating me like an assistant to the case of your missing brother? And this makes August completely ghost on her mom because she's like, I'm now mad at you. You've kept so many secrets and I feel like you don't even treat me like a daughter. Yeah. Okay. So August is on a train with Jane one day and she reveals that pocket knife. Remember the pocket knife? I had not forgotten. I have a notebook next to me and next to August's name with a big arrow, it just says knife in all caps. Knife. I would not forget. (laughs) Somehow, and don't ask me how, Jane recognizes this knife because, drum roll, please. Jane was best friends with August's uncle. Ta-da! Again, this feels (laughs) like a weird stretch. Sure. So at this point, it is revealed that they were besties and roommates in New Orleans when they lived in New Orleans together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he worked at a bar called The Upstairs, which I did a little research on this part of the book when they recite this to see if it was a real story. This Mm -hmm. is indeed a real story. Oh, cool. There uh, there was a New Orleans bar um, that was called The Upstairs, um, and there was a fire in 1973 that started that was likely a hate crime because it was Mm -hmm. an LGBTQ bar and it resulted in 32 people dying and 15 injuries. So I'm going to retract the part where I said it was fun. I was just excited that this was based on real events. Yeah. I feel very, very bad. No, it is not fun. It is more like you're learn. This is learning corner. So, um, Augie had worked at that bar and went to work that night and Mm -hmm. then never came home. Right. So Jane says like, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he's dead. dead. And yeah, I mean, um, they even have unmarked graves for him in, in some of their friends that worked at the bar. Yeah. And then this obviously was really emotional for Jane. So she left town and went to New York city. That's what prompted her to go to New York city. Gotcha. It should also be mentioned that that friend, her mom sent a file on mm-hmm. was a woman named B.U. Ah, and it turns out it was Jane. She was supposed oh, to go to New York and sign Jane because Jane, find Jane was yes. friends. I so see. You kind of realize that the connection Jane has with August is all based around this weird factor of her uncle, and that's why they have this really crazy connection, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm gonna keep my comments about the weirdness of having a relationship with your friend's niece to myself. You know what? Know that it's there. Here's my my question. Here's my question. Is this an age gap story? It's not the I would like to clarify. I'm I'm asking age gap. I mean, is there an age gap in this trope? It's it's kind of it's hard when there's like time skipping and like uh, she's still technically in her twenties, but then like it's been 40 some years. Hard to say. Yeah, is it an I age mean, gap story? Look, it's this is this is easy to skip over, but it is in my mind that you are you are fucking your best friend's niece. Yeah, you are on a public transit. I, honestly, <laughs> I'm more upset about the fact that it's a public than I am about the, I am too. the relationships that we have. I so, just want to make that abundantly clear. <laughs> absolutely. So a few days later, after all this, um, reality catches up and Jane has like a full breakdown about the situation in which Jane and August have a big fight. August walks out and goes to Jerry I was again. Say, Jane can't walk out. She would disappear. Although that would be very funny to do in a fight. That would be like the greatest storm out. Just right? disappear. And so 
J- August is at work and Jerry finds her research on all of this stuff. And mm-hmm. he was like, what the heck are you doing with all of Jane's stuff? And August was like, hold up. I thought you did not know that woman. You said you did not remember Pancake and Jerry. Turns out he was also besties with Jane. Jane, Son of a as bitch. we know by her personality, Jane has a lot of besties. Yeah. And that's great. he's like, there was an incident that happened around the New York City blackout of 1977. So I will now hand over the reins to Hope, where I have asked her to share us with us some information about the blackout of 1977. You guys, this is going to get so interesting, I think. Not just my, re- not my research specifically, but like the coinciding. Yes. Okay. So yes, Sarah asked that I do some research on the 1977 New York City blackout. Uh, lots of resources for this and I'll reference a lot of them when I'm talking about it, but uh, great information from PBS's American Experience, um, from the CBS newscast from the time. Um, some historical photos I was able to find on a website called Rare Historical Photos. Um, and truly, the Wikipedia itself also had some good context. That I don't knock any research on Wikipedia. And if you do, I don't care. So <laughs> it's about to get super hot. I mean that literally, literally. I wish I meant it figuratively. On a 100 degree day in 1977, the city of New York experienced a full 25 hours of darkness that led to pure chaos. Um to get started, I want to pull I, a Can I just say, yeah. I want to, I just want to imagine this being its own purge. Like, it's yeah. like, <laughs> it's like, I mean, you yeah. know what? We're going to take the biggest city in the world and we're going to make it lawless. Holy, yes. Uh, it really, like, I don't like to be like looter, looters and rioters and, but yeah. it did, it did happen this way. Um, to start, I'm going to pull a quote from the CBS 2 6 p.m. newscast um, on the following day. We'll get into the timeline of how this worked, but this was on um, the, I think, 14th of July. Uh, Towards the top of the show, journalist Jim Jensen described the blackout as follows. He said, what began as a crack of thunder, a flash of lightning in the skies above northern Westchester County, and put out the lights for millions of us, now has officials from New York City Hall and the White House asking why and how it all happened again. Um, I will disclaimer that there had been a Northeast blackout that also impacted New York 10 years prior to this happening in uh, 1965. So that's what he's referring to. So according to the Daily News article titled Blackout, Lightning Hits Con Ed System by Dick Brass, which is a great name. I love um, it. Con Ed or Consolidated Edison, which is a power company in New York, reported that severe lightning strikes hit two of their high voltage transmission cables that were connected to its nuclear power plant. And this happened at about 8.40 p.m. on uh, July 13th of 1977. So the lightning created what the company called the cascading effect, which is basically just that it started shutting power like from a central point and then just continued in all the neighborhoods around it um, throughout the night. So the cascading effect shut down the power in all five of the boroughs of New York City by 9.40 p.m. that night. That's just wild because in my mind, I'm just thinking like what a crazy situation that just mm-hmm. once like I don't even want to say one in a million. Like it's like one in a billion chance that it, this is going to hit the exact place where it needs right. to to For knock out to power strike. from everywhere whoops super unfortunate um some context before i get into some of the events that occurred is that at this time new york was in the middle of a financial crisis uh there was very high unemployment at the time there was as i've referenced a massive heat wave so over multiple points uh that week i think including during the blackout temperatures hit 100 degrees 
Um, and also the son of Sam Killer, Dave uh, Berkowitz, was on the loose at the time. Oh my god! Big yikes. I um, totally forgot about that because I remember listening to other, I listened to a lot of true crime and yes. oh my gosh, yeah. Not <gasps> ideal. It, it doesn't. would be mortifying. To oh. my knowledge, it doesn't really factor into the events of the blackout. It just was a thing that was also yeah. happening and how terrifying when all the power is out. Um, but just like a, a fun little tidbit for some things that were happening at this time. Um, while the power was out, uh, a massive breakouts of, of looting and fires and, and damage to buildings occurred. Um, 1,600 stores were damaged in this 25 hour period. Um, more than a thousand fires were reported. Uh, according to the Wikipedia at one point, two blocks of Broadway in Brooklyn were just on fire and 35 oh blocks of Broadway were destroyed by the end of this with 134 stores looted and 45 of them also set ablaze. So, and that was just too, that was just Broadway. Um, oh more than 3,700 people were arrested during this time. How do you uh, even keep track of shit like that when all the power's know. out? Like, and not that they had crazy technology systems in the seventies, but you're just thinking like, right. you need to call things in, you need to make reports, you need to be able to freaking see in front of your face mm -hmm. in it's order a lot. to do some of these things. It's oh a whole gosh. lot. Um, when the lightning struck, there was uh, a game going on, a baseball game going on at Shea Stadium. Uh, Shea Stadium went dark at approximately 9.30 PM. And it was the bottom of the sixth inning of a game between the Mets and the Cubs. Uh, apparently, <laughs> so the power just went out during this game. The organist, her name is was Jane Jarvis. And apparently she was very good at it, but I did not research her. It was just like a fun side someone said about this uh, woman. But she played like Jingle Bells and White Christmas, but they <laughs> they never resumed the game. Um, you know well, what? Like That's, that day. <laughs> you got to uh, love your job to do things yeah. like that. The, the game ended up being completed two months later on September 16th. And for anybody who seems to care, the Cubs did win. <laughs> I don't right. care, but if you do, we don't know sports ball here. Um, yes. um, anyway, so that's just like a fun little aside. Uh, another thing to note, I tried to look up um, if there were fatalities related to this. Uh, what I was able to find was that there was one homicide that occurred. And I've seen another report that there were two deaths. I don't know if that's accurate. I don't, if it is, I don't know if that includes the homicide or not just from like a, a fatality perspective with this incident, um, economic damage. Oh, it could ahead. have had, it could have had nothing to do with the actual blackout. Like right. it could yeah, have been also something true. completely unrelated that was, which you don't want to have that happen, but honestly to not really have mass casualties right. in a situation Pretty like wild. this is kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, very in the heights, you could have a situation where the, the power goes out and then it's very hot. And if you have someone who is older, they don't yeah. like it could, I don't know if that's one of the deaths, but it could have been something like that. Like all different reasons, not a mass casualty event though. Um, and then the economic damages estimated to reach well in the hundreds of millions of dollars, but it, it's kind of hard to find a number on it. Um, I have a quote that, I had found in my research that said one year later, a special commission established a study to tr that um, like to look into the blackout and what caused it and um, you know, stuff like that, mm -hmm. trying to get a, an estimate on, you know, the damages that were incurred between the fires and the, and the looting and all that different stuff. Um, but so one year later, a special commission established to study the blackouts tried without success to fully capture its impact. Uh, the social costs, of the blackout, the commission noted in its summary report, were 
difficult to measure. Um, a congressional study estimated that the cost of damages was a little over 300 million, uh, which would be equivalent to like in in the yeah. 70s. So equivalent yeah. to like uh, $1.47 billion in 2002 is the uh, equivalency there. And then um, the power did eventually go on. Uh, as we said, it was like a 25 hour blackout, but power did start to come back in a reverse cascading effect on July 14th. So uh, a section of Queens was the first to receive power. Um, according to the Wikipedia I found on this, the power didn't fully restore to all yeah. the places until 10.39 p.m. the next day. So power out starting around 8.40, power out for everybody by 9.40 p.m. on the 13th, power not back to everybody until 10.39 p.m. on the 14th. Okay, so not everybody was without power the 25 hours. It was like... No, but almost everybody. Like, yeah, okay. There's a, there's a there's about an hour gap from when the lightning struck to when the final of all the bros of New York were without power. Gosh, that's just so, so insane So, me. like, slowly but surely through the genesis of the blackout over that hour, different bros just lost power. Oh, my gosh. Well... Thank you for your report. You're I welcome. appreciate it. Because we are now going to come back to our conversation between August and Jerry, where he admits he does remember um, Jane because there was an incident around the New York City blackout. Mm -hmm. He claims that they went to Coney Island that day because they were trying to cool off. Um, sure. So they went to the beach and they went, they had gotten kind of drunk at the beach. Um, they were eat, drinking paps out of her backpack. Sweet. And... Um, they were going back on the queue and he was so drunk that he fell onto the tracks and Jane helped him get off the tracks, but her backpack, which had like all of her stuff in it uh -huh. fell onto the tracks and she had to go grab oh, it. Well, well, she get hit trying to so, grab it. But here's the thing. She went and she fell onto the third rail of the track uh -huh. when the surge happened so oh, all she, she she literally tower of terror into the train <laughs> and if you need a picture of this she literally fell on a giant track metal track when electricity surged and powered out so she, she should have been so, fried right like a rotisserie so, chicken so literally tower of terror into the train <laughs> literally so then obviously the blackout happens and you're kind of like, he had, August says, I was so drunk. I had passed out. And when I woke up, she wasn't there. Right. People were like, it was madhouse. And so he thought that she had like rescued him and dipped and was pissed off at him. Uh -huh. So he's like, I'm, he's like, that's the day I went sober. I felt so bad about it. I don't blame her for never calling me back. Like, I think she just like dropped off the face of the earth because she was pissed at me, which yeah. yeah. So now jane obviously or sorry august obviously has a clear picture of how jane got into the situation yeah. of like time jumping yes it was gone with the wind it is all coming back to her now yes and so there is a postcard that also is connected to augie there's this is kind of like fuzzy on how they introduce this but when she's collecting all of her research and like kind of piling it up because they had this big fight you know and she's like mm -hmm. letting it go now she comes across a postcard that she believes is postcarded from Augie mm -hmm. to our girl. Yes. Um, Jane. Yes. But it shows that he, it was postmarked a couple years after, after that. After the fire? After the fire. Hmm. And it's postmarked from California. 
So essentially it is now working under, because like apparently she, there's some connection because uh, um, our main girl, Jane is mm -hmm. from California. So that's kind of the connection with California. Sure. But the idea is that obviously Augie survived the fire and mm -hmm. he just used it as an experience to just go and do his own thing. Cause it was so traumatic to right. all of his friends. Basically, uh, August mom sucks. And, well, <laughs> and her well, father was like, I'm just going to fuck right off to California actually, and not talk to you anymore. We also find out that Augie actually kept sending letters and it's very oh. clear that the mother, Augie and Susie's mother intercepted those letters and stopped giving them to her daughter. So oh, it's okay. not that Augie forgot or stopped writing her. It's that, that the mom intercepted these letters and stopped letting them have a relationship. That sucks, so There's mom. a lot of really effed up relationship elements here. Yeah. So Jane and August make up after Jane makes a request on the radio. Yay, we're happy again. Yay, so I forgot about that component of this book. <laughs> we're coming to the end of our book and there's a solid like 100 pages just describing what they're going to do, but I'm just going to quickly break it down because now they know what happened. They're going to make a plan. So they want to reenact the 77 power outage on the queue and try and shock Jane back into the present or the past. Who knows? We'll find out. But in order to do this, they have to cover up the scene of like where they need. I, this is so confusing, but they're going to use like some section of the subway or whatever. They're renting it out for a party. By the way, the party they're going to do is the pancake fundraiser. Of course. And remember that we have a roommate who is an electrical engineer and went to school for that. So her ex-boyfriend now works for like the Manhattan Transit, like whatever. Like it, it doesn't all make sense, but she essentially seduces her ex-boyfriend into like coming to the party and like stealing his badge. They're going to do a whole. Sweet. Wait, but, but Jane can shut down the train with her ghost powers. Why do you need key cards? Well, they need to like, they need to redo like a surge. It's not like a, it's like they have to get into like this headquartered area to do it. So she needs like that key card to get in sure. to, and then there's I'll obviously suspend my disbelief. I need to, yeah, stop there's like a questions. lot here that is super, super far fetched where it's like they're going to do a whole distraction, distraction plan to get all the, um, the people who, you know, are guarding that really sacred area of the transit department i don't know it's so wild what you need to know is that they have a giant party a pancake drag party Amazing. i think in a portion of this subway area that is not used anymore and then august and myla skip out so that they can go do their little plan um so all of this is so convenient um, i'm having a great time Anyway, what matters is in the end, Jane is holding on to the third line, the third rail of the line, mm -hmm. and they're going to push the power through, right? Mm -hmm. And there's kind of two opportunities where it's like surges and then it surges again. Okay. So it surges once and it doesn't work. And mm -hmm. August is like, I am your missing piece. This is where it kind of gets stupid, but she's like, <laughs> I am your missing piece. I have always been your connection. I have always grounded you. You need me to do this. And Jane's like, do not touch that rail because you will die. Oh, yeah. That also nothing about what you just said makes sense. Also, also, before we get to how this resolves, I just want to call out since I've made this be about Tower of Terror, the Disney film with Steve Guttenberg and Kristen Dunst, that on record, 
when they resolve the conflicts of Tower of Terror. They don't, like, get transported to the past or the present. They just ascend to heaven. And I'm just going to put that out there. I'm just going to put that out there as an option that could occur. They do admit she could technically die in all of this, right? fully, you know, like, it it wouldn't have occurred to me that the resolution was bring her back into being outside of the train. To me, the resolution would be make her peace and resolve her unfinished business and go forth. Yes. From there. Anyway. So anyway, August is like before the second surge hits, I'm going to kiss you. And that's going to be like the last bit of power you need. I don't know. It got really outlandish towards the end. Disbelief suspended. Don't even worry about it. And Jane's like, I'm literally an electrical ball right now. You should not touch me. And by the way, they're confessing their love. So it's fine. Got to. Yeah. And she kisses her. August passes out. And when she wakes up, everybody's taking care of her at home and is like, yeah, Jane's gone. And so they're like, okay, so she's back in 1970. Great. Let's go about our lives. August is very sad, obviously. Mm-hmm. August reunites with her mom and reveals what she found out about Augie, which is that she tracked down um, a man who was his partner in California or mm-hmm. like knew him in California. And it turns out that he actually survived the fire. He lived a wonderful life for a few years in California, but was killed mm-hmm. in a car crash in 1977. Ah. So it is sad. But it gives her mom closure because I mean, at this point, you've got to kind of assume that he's gone, right? If he hasn't reached out for this long. It at least gives us closure about where he is. Although I've got some words I'd like to express about the mom. Not not August's mom, August's mom's mom. Yes. Yes. Well, August's mom's mom is dead. So can't really do anything about that now. Fuck right off, August's mom's mom. She, but now August's mom is like, you're right. I'm going to be here and I'm going to listen to you. I, you know, I should have gotten this closure sooner. What's like, been whatever. with you lately, daughter? Anything crazy or weird happened to you Any in the past crazy few weeks? Situations? Any ghost-related electrocution type things happen while I was hyper-focused on my brother's <sighs> disappearance? Yeah, it sounds like you should go to therapy, mom. <laughs> um, so also super sad, a few weeks after the electric the electric kiss, um, Jane had prior asked for a song to be played um uh, oh. on that radio station mm-hmm. just in case oh rip. sad okay so then um by the way that brunch or not sorry the not the brunch yeah. the uh drag queen yeah. drag performance fundraiser Train pancake fundraiser uh, something happened that they raised money it raised a bunch of money but it turns out they still needed to make a little bit of a final amount which okay turns out that a strange grandma gave her a couple thousand and um that's i oh, guess is what that they strange needed. grandma named jane <laughs> no no what are you talking about i don't know i don't know what happened to her yet the grandma she died i told you a while back no i know that you said a strange grandma gave money to help no them. her estranged grandma oh, oh strange. i was like a Come strange on, grandma listen up no <laughs> August's estranged grandma got it, got it, had got given it. her that money. Remember when she yes. died? She had inherited okay. like yep. a little bit. I Turns totally out, get it. She can use that to help save the rest. Yes, okay. thank you. We're, we got we're there. back. We're all here. So everybody's at Billy's celebrating that they can save the restaurant. Um, but who walks in? Jane. Jane. OMG. Mm-hmm. Somehow the jump actually jumped her forward three months. Woo! What? And no, that doesn't make. I so hated. Wait, was, wait, 
It moved her forward three months. So for but- her, it had been like a couple seconds. And then she like didn't find August at the train station. So she ran out and uh-huh. was like, this was the only, I went to Billy's because that's the only other place I thought you'd be. Okay. And oh. so it okay. has been seconds for Jane. Okay. She got it. Forward I, in time. I thought she like in the instant was immediately jumped forward three months ahead, but then suspended there until everybody caught up. Time no. is a flat circle guys. <laughs> time is a flat circle but i think it's i think this is such a bullshit way to give us a couple more chapters of august moping without jane i think it's a bullshitty excuse i i hated this element of it because it just felt like why three months if i had written the book uh when august opened her eyes jane would have just been there with everybody else making sure she was okay but i didn't write this book you didn't and so they go back to august's apartment and have bonkers sex like just crazy non-public sex it's so no- i was just gonna ask if people were there to watch it and i'm so glad they weren't there was a shower involved with some foreplay then they go into the bedroom uh-huh, there's uh-huh. it's great times. so that's great then they do kind of a flash forward of what their life looks like over the coming weeks and months and pretty much what it boils down to is you know Jane is thriving in 2022 and she actually decides to go see her family in California that she kind of abandoned all those years ago. Uh-huh. And, and they're just not going to have any questions about the fact they that do she's kind of say, yeah, still in her twenties. <laughs> they do kind of say, well, you can kind of decide if you want to tell them or not. Um, but, but then they might notice that you're in your twenties. <laughs> yeah. Um, but August becomes kind of a private investigator And that's kind of the end of our story, but I'll give you this last tidbit. Remember when I said every chapter started with like a document or a letter or a Um, post? Maps and They are all proof of Jane's existence over time. You don't realize it at the beginning because like one of them is like a police warrant or like a police report about Mm -hmm. a woman who got into a fight who who was Asian American on the queue and blah 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 she got in a fight and like that's Uh supposed to be jane there's then a missing connections post on craigslist of somebody who's like i met this girl on the train today and she was so hot please contact me and then i never ride that train again (laughs) yeah and then a blurry ig photo where she's kind of in the corner of the frame so it's all proof of her existence over these like 45 years so it's kind of cool yeah um so we're gonna break down some scores amazing i gave the diversity a five because i felt like we had lots in there yes um what are you gonna give it i agree awesome. i agree with a five this is gonna be a, for for me a high rank book i'm having the best time it is a fun book I, and i'm not just saying that because i so accurately guessed most of the plot <laughs> you're doing this because you're winning no i'm just kidding um what do you give the plot Five. I think this is so it's so I guess another thing I'll I'll disclose for the audience is that because the thing I looked up was super historical in my head, I just kind of assumed the story would be like very factual, maybe even in the time frame of yeah. what I had researched. Like in my head, it was not so fantasy filled. So it would never have occurred to me that anybody would be for real psychic or actually a ghost or a Tower of Terror into yeah. a train system. I lived for the whole experience. So what are you going to give the smut? Um, <laughs> I gave it a three. Look, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to also give it a three. And it is not because I felt like there wasn't enough or like I was dissatisfied with the quality. It's because I personally don't like public hooking up. <laughs> well, and my thing is like it, they gave us 
two, like one kind of in-depth scene when they were on the train alone. And then yeah, they gave that was awesome. fingering scene when they were in public very less, briefly. Less awesome. And then the other big one was at the end when they finally reunited. Uh -huh. um, what I'll say is I just felt like it was like the only crazy quote unquote element of it was that it was in public, right? It wasn't like they were doing anything like that psycho or I don't want right. to say psycho, but like right. that, you know, outlandish. Right. Um so I'm going to show you the cover now. Do you want to do you want to quick describe it? Ooh, yes. Oh, this is cute. Um, very uh, pink, purpley, little orange color toned book. Um, says uh, Casey McQuiston. I hope that's how they pronounce yeah. her name. I'm sorry if it's not at the top. Uh, New York Times bestselling author of Red, White, and Royal Blue. Big font. One last stop. We can see uh, the Q train. Uh, we can see. August walking next to the train. We could see Jade in the train in her jacket and her white shirt and her cool jeans. It's very cute. It's it says something very small. I'm trying to lead. Yeah, into it read. says sometimes love stops you in your tracks. <laughs> sometimes that. you get Tower of Terror into a train. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Guys, I, I don't even have any more to add. I really enjoyed this one. <laughs> There's a lot of cute little elements on the cover it's too, because they cute. obviously have like the Q um, mm -hmm. logo on there. And then yep. they, she has a little red scarf coming out of her bag. She also oh, is holding a cute. coffee cup, which is obviously the spill of the coffee cup, right, but also they right, drink right. coffee together. They drink, mm -hmm. eat a lot of food. Um, and then very faintly, you see like the, the skyline in the back there. Yeah. So what are you going to give this cover? Four. It's cute. I wish I it had it Pancake Billy and his Pancake Pals, but that's just my own personal preference. I know. We, sh we should have had a, a friend's Scooby-Doo clan there. More um, pancakes. Okay, More so people. you gave it... I gave it an 80%, and you gave it an 85%. Yeah, I had, a, I had a full blast today. This is a great time. What is your what the smut or say smut moment? Kissing experiments in public, public fingering. It's just not for me. Um, I, not for me. I think like I can tolerate the scene where they are on the train alone a little bit oh, better, even though no it feels problems very... with that one. I, I, that was delightful. It was just what they should have been doing the whole time is you shutting down the train <laughs> when no one is on it. Then the public fingering was oh, a little much for me. And on a plot level, the very end, the, the whole pancake thing shouldn't have been a thing when we already had the mom as the yeah. subplot. A lot of but... subplots, admittedly. And I also, I didn't mention this, but uh, our boy Wes and um, Isaiah do get I was together. Just so. about, I was literally, it occurred to me that I, it was the only subplot I cared about and I needed to know if that happened. And Myla and, uh, and Nico get engaged. So beautiful. Cute. Anyway, so that I, from a plot point, I'm pissed about the whole pancake and the, and I, I think the whole thing at the end about, you know, shutting down and, and doing this whole party, whatever, that just felt all muddled. But um, definitely the public fingering I'm concerned about. Oh, and also, fine. it's a little weird to be like, hey, I was so into you. But every time I was making out with you, I was thinking about other women. I appreciate. I knew that they're like, because August is the connection. I understand that that's needed to help her regain memories. But I don't feel like we really resolved how much you kept bringing up this. I assume yeah. X. <laughs> There's so many X's. It but doesn't hey, really matter anyway, because even if they were still in love, your ex is now way, way old. Yeah, that's true. Nope. Yeah, sorry. Hey, well, this was our book. Woo. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. 
And we hope that you and your public displays of defection have a great rest of your day. Goodbye. Don't get, please don't get Tower of Terror into a train. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.